This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's it going? Christoph Trapp here, your host and author of Content Performance Culture, another live stream. Why not? We're learning so much. We're growing together and we're moving things forward. Today's episode, it is uh, presented to you in partnership with Lead Forensics. Uh, check them out down there, leadforensics.com forward slash authentic storytelling. Uh, we're live on Periscope, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. Twitch is still trying to send. So if you're watching there, um, hopefully it'll make it over um, over there as well. Um, if you are hearing a cat meowing in the background, that's my cat who is trying to jump up here, but we're not going to let it happen. COVID 2020, that's how we roll today. Um, so today we want to talk about MQLs and SQLs. Um, interesting topic. Um, certainly there can be a struggle in organizations between the marketing team. I'm sending you all these leads. What are you doing with them? Come on, let's go, sales team. Um, you, you've probably been there. You've heard those discussions before. So today's guest, we'll bring her out of the green room here in a second, um, Lila Waite. She's the CMO with Lead Forensics, and she'll give us the lowdown on uh, what are MQLs, what are SQLs, how do we work better together, how fast should you follow up, um, and all those different topics. I personally like speed. Um, I actually just closed the deal. I'm actually, I'm the customer because they responded to me quicker. So we will see what her input is, what her knowledge is that she will share. We'll bring her on here. Um, Lila, how's it going today? Hi, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And really glad to have you and the uh, bear behind you. Yes, yes. He doesn't have a name yet. Um, he is uh, waiting for my daughter's birthday next week, and he's hiding up here in my office. <laughs> and, and, and she does not dare to come up there. <laughs> no, no. She doesn't interrupt me when I'm working, so he's kind of safe as a, as a secret up here. But he's, he's huge. He's, he's uh, quite big. <laughs> that, that's fantastic to hear. My kids, they walk in and out of my office. Nobody pays any attention to what I have to say. In fact, my six-year-old just came in here. but So I had to set up my camera in a way that uh, you can't see them when they walk in. I can see them, but you can't see them. So that's my trickery. So, but it's great to have you back. It's great to have you on the show. Um, certainly we have other articles on authenticstorytelling.net as well about uh, lead forensics, but let's talk about MQLs and SQLs. What's, I know everybody says, oh, people know what that is, but let's start there. What does it mean? What's the definition that we should go with? So I think that a lot of people get hung up on the, the definition, like you say, the acronym of MQL and, and SQL. But really what we're talking about is the opportunities generated by a, a marketing team. So marketing qualified lead. I know that there are some people that want to uh, to kill the term MQL, but ultimately it doesn't really matter how you coin it. It's the opportunities that are generated by 
uh, a marketing team and an SQL is um, a sales, quali sales qualified lead and, and really um, it's at that point that um, you know the sales team say yes this is a you know a great opportunity we think that they've got a, a, the right product market fit for, for our product um, and um, you know they've got all the right attributes to be a valuable um, you know customer so it, whatever you want to coin them it doesn't really matter MQL and SQL is just a really easy um, acronym to to use that's been around for a long time but it's really opportunities generated by marketing and then in terms of an SQL whether that's the right opportunity for the business according to the attributes that you might put in place for for your customer base so certainly you should have some drop-off right I mean you have a certain amount of marketing qualified leads and then like everything it's a numbers game this many people read my content, this many people might be interested in these, this many people might be actual customers that we can sell something to. Um, so there's, we, we shouldn't feel bad if there's a drop off because there should be, right? There, there should be a drop off. Um, and um, but, but I think that that drop off should be as minimal as possible because of course every um, penny that you or every every cent that you spend on uh, on your marketing um, activity um, it, it, in driving those opportunities um, the the kind of less you convert the more that is wasted and so whilst there'll always be that drop off and there absolutely should because you want to make sure that the opportunities that are coming through to the business are right for the business um, you want to try and minimize that and actually um, on average, across the B2B landscape, only 27% of MQLs actually convert to SQLs. So that's actually a lot of, um, uh, of wasted opportunity and a lot of wasted marketing investment. So I think you're right. It does need to drop off. Um, but I think, you know, circa 75% dropping off is probably a little bit excessive. Yeah, but not, not surprised to hear you quote that number. Of course, B2B, it's harder and harder. I mean, everybody, there's buying committees now. You don't just convince one person. I'm not sitting on my couch and buying a, just another hat because I don't need any more hats. But, you know, it's just me making the decision to spend another $30 on a hat. You got uh, many, many people you have to convince on that committee. Um, so, but since we're talking about convincing people, how important is the speed of follow-up? I mean, I... You know, every once in a while I get emails, and of course this is like on the totally uh, far spectrum over here uh, with COVID. I got emails from restaurants I ate at five years ago. Christoph, we want to uh, we want to let you know, like we're in it together. And I'm like, I don't even remember what I had there. It was five years ago. I don't, you know what I mean? Um, so certainly that kind of speed is like way over there. They only follow up because because COVID is happening. But when I'm, you know, how quickly should people follow up? What's the what's the right timeline? Um, and then, you know, how consistent should you be with that? Do you know what? Speed is everything. Um, and I think that for most marketeers, that speed to lead should be the possibly one of the number one pieces that they're looking at when they're generating um, marketing um, opportunities. Um, and, and in the B2B space, um, it, it takes on average 46 hours and 53 minutes before a marketing qualified lead is, is followed up. And so that's nearly two days of wasted time. And so if you think that um, when someone inquires um, uh, with you, whether it's B2B or B2C, um, in whichever mechanism, you, 
you're front of mind at that point in time. And so um, really that speed is is everything. And um, there's been quite a lot of research on this piece. So I'll just quote a piece from a, a Kellogg research study that says, um, the odds of contacting a lead if called within five minutes are 100 times higher versus taking 30 minutes. Um, and in my personal experience, um, when I first joined a company, um, I'll, I'll keep that company uh, nameless, but um, when I first joined the company a while back, um, we were taking in the region of about four days to follow up with um, an opportunity. And, and that just seemed madness when you think about um, that, that quote from the, the Kellogg research study that, you know, if you're 100 times high, more likely to reach a, a prospect when they inquire if you speak to them within the first five minutes versus 30 minutes. I mean, we're talking small margins after four days. Um, and so I think it is really important to follow up as quickly as, as possible. And, and actually, I, I spoke on this at a, at a conference, at a virtual conference a few weeks ago, and actually did a poll um, with regard to how quickly um, businesses do follow up. And it does seem that this two days is pretty standard. Um, and, and again, it just seems madness that you're spending, you know, all of this money on um, generating opportunities, but then really not treating those opportunities like like gold dust. Um, and so when um, when I kind of uh, brought in a speed to lead initiative um, uh, with the previous company, we, we reduced that um, kind of contact uh, speed from from four days um, to a, a what we called an SLA, but uh, it was really like a, a speed to lead kind of agreement that we would try and get hold of them within 10 minutes of their inquiry. So they were still, we were still front of mind. They were still on our website. They were still interested. They hadn't looked at any competitors. They hadn't bought from any competitors. They hadn't gone into a meeting, you know, all of that. So for me, if you're going to maximize your marketing investment, that follow-up, um, speed is actually one of the main fundamentals that every marketing um, director, CMO should really, really be focusing on. So one thing I, I've actually noticed too, I think I blogged about this. Uh, I'll try to find the link and put it in the notes, um, at least for the podcast version here. Uh, somebody emailed me as soon as I did something and then they called me a little while later. And because everything on my phone is synced, right? It's crazy how everything is connected. It actually said, maybe, whomever, whatever their name was. And so there was now a little bit of name recognition, right? Because they just emailed me and my phone said, oh, you already know this person. Uh, maybe it's so-and-so. I'm actually more likely to answer the phone just because of that email first or the automatic email, whatever it was. And then they're calling and they're showing up on my phone. Um, yeah. But four days. Lyle, that is, sounds crazy to me, even a day. Like when people call me and say, we noticed you recently downloaded something on our website. And I'm like, like four days ago? I don't remember anything from four days ago I did on the internet. I mean, do, nobody remembers that kind of stuff, I would think. I think you're right. We all move so fast now in business and our personal lives. There's so much noise going on that if you're waiting four days before you start to engage with a you know, an opportunity or a buyer, um, then like you say, you've missed chance. Um, uh, and it's no wonder that the, the conversion rates are so low if, if the average, um, you know, time is, is 46, um, you know, hours. And in my case, it was uh, four days. Um, so you're right. It, you, it needs that immediacy if you're going to get any traction. And really, 
if you think about um, the perception that that instills as well is how special do your buyers feel if you're straight on the phone with them or you're um, you know contacting them in a humanized way you're kind of putting that effort in straight away you're showing them in that very first moment just how much you value their business and hopefully that will um, then um, give a really great impression throughout that sales process that actually you really do value their business and you kind of want to do that um, surprise and delight piece and I think when you get that real-time engagement, that's exactly what you get from that very first communication point. You follow up quickly. First of all, there is, um, you remember what you just did, right? I mean, if I go on the Lead Forensics website, I sign up, somebody contacts me right away. Uh, but is the follow-up, does it need to be a phone call or how, what's the best follow-up? I mean, sometimes I can't take a phone call, right? I'm, I'm interviewing experts like you and, and others on here and the phone rings and I, I can't answer it, right? It doesn't work. Um, so what's the, what's the best way to, to follow up? I think that the most important thing is, is it, it's personal. Um, so, and that's a bit of a, a controversial opinion um, because of the rise of, um, you know, chatbots and AI and, you know, all of our automation that we, we have now. But people can see through that. Anything that's automated, an automated thank you email, all of that sort of thing, it's only going to buy you so much time. People expect an automated uh, acknowledgement. Um, but I think it needs to be humanized engagement. I really think that if you can make it a, a, a telephone call, then it should be a telephone call. Um, and, uh, and and followed up with an email or something like that. Say, hey, I just tried to give you a call. You know, do you want to call me back when it's a convenient time or a voicemail message or something like that? It just shows that you're interested. And I think there's another point on that um, is that um, tenacity is really important. Um, so the average uh, salesperson will follow up with a, an MQL um, 1.3 times, um, and that's really not going to get them anywhere. Um, there's lots of um, you know stats out there about how tenacious sales um, you know professionals should should be, and and it's certainly more than uh, 1.3. And so we put into place where by our team need to be tenacious to be making sure that they're trying to get hold of a, an opportunity at least 10 times because ultimately you're trying to facilitate a request and I don't think that anyone should be apologetic in trying to facilitate that request it needs to be you know well structured um, and it needs to be multi-channel um, but I think that every business should definitely be more tenacious than just putting in one phone call or two phone calls before they before they give up. So multi-channel um, and human is the is the kind of main piece that I would suggest. And what's interesting about that too, 1.2 times or 1.3 times, whatever it was, that is just crazy to me because if you call me one time, I if I don't have time to answer, like that has nothing to do with you, right? That has something to do with I'm just literally walked into a meeting. I did this on my phone, you know, and, and, and I did walk into the meeting because of timing. But if you call me back in an hour or whatever, uh, there is a chance that I might answer. And that's that's I think it's easy for us to forget that it needs different touch points. And, and even sometimes when I don't open emails from people, it sometimes has nothing to do with them. It's just the timing. I'm doing something else or like today. You know, all these things happening today, totally booked all day. And guess what? I don't have time to deal with some of the emails that are coming in today. So depending on what they are, I'm going to just delete them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm a nightmare to get hold of. Um, if someone's trying to get hold of me, even if I've inquired, I've got, um, you know, a couple of gatekeepers to, that uh, that man off. You know, I've got our main receptionist who's the first gatekeeper and I've got our marketing coordinator who's the second gatekeeper. So if you want to get through to me, you've got to get through two gatekeepers. Um, but eventually I feel really guilty if I've, uh, um, you know, known that someone's tried to phone me and then I get an email from them as well saying, you know, just trying to reach you. Um, and, and then I get another phone call. Uh, eventually I'm going to be like, yeah, I need to speak to these people. They really want to speak to me. But the number of people who will just stop at that first gatekeeper is, is uh, you know, is quite high. So you're right. Bus- people are busy and it's it's no offense to that, like you say, the person that's trying to reach you. It, it's just that there's 101 things going on and um, you just got to find that that right time slot. And if you're not tenacious to try and find that right time slot, um, then you won't win that business. Absolutely. But, you know, partially you can guess and you can see what's working and when people respond and, and whatnot. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to keep uh, keep reaching out and trying and trying different times, of course, as well. Um, uh, Lela, I think some of these uh, things have already been embedded in some of your answers, but are there any other best practices for follow-up um, that people should consider? Yeah, I think to me it's, uh, it's about those three things that we've kind of already touched upon. So speed. Um, you should be aiming to reach out to people in less than five minutes if you can. That wasn't possible for us. We tried uh, 10 minutes and that seems to be working. So as quickly as is feasibly possible. And if you think it's impossible, we'll give it a go. Because if you think five minutes is going to be impossible um, and, um, you know, you actually get to 15 minutes, well, that's significantly better than where you are right now anyway. And you'll uplift your conversions as a result. I think that tenacity is a huge thing. Um, so I mentioned that uplifting from the 1.3 contact rate, um, you know, up to up to the, you know, the 8, 9, 10 kind of attempts before a salesperson gives up. I think that's really important. And I think the humanized piece is, is really important as well. Um, it has to be human. Um, it can't be automated. Um, people ultimately buy from people. And so um, the more you can um, give that perception that you value their business, um, the, the more likely you are to be able to convert that opportunity. And then just aside from those three main points, it's all about measurement and tracking and monitoring. So you should always be measuring. If you measure every stage of your pipeline and you have that insight, you know where you can improve. And even if you take baby steps, um, you know, you're not going to be able to overhaul a process overnight. But any baby steps on that uh, on that kind of path is only going to deliver better results for the business. So all about measurement and tracking. And I think for the marketing departments, I think it's a a slight change of mindset that we're not here to just chuck leads into a business. Doesn't really matter if they fit or not. We should be looking about the at the contribution to the business. We should be looking at adding value um, to help a business grow. And that's all about bringing in the right opportunities as well, not just throwing any old leads over the fence to to the sales team. They should be um, actually qualified as far as the business is concerned as well. So they would be. I think there's a three points: so speed, tenacity, and being human. Um, but then there's also the the measurement, and then making sure you're delivering quality as well. And of course, it's much harder to ignore human than to ignore the automation, especially when you can tell that it's automation. Sometimes you can't tell. I've seen that 
happened as well where people send really good emails. I mean, I've done that before and they're really automated from my account, but ultimately I wrote them, right? I just kind of scheduled them basically. Um, but it is harder to mm -hmm. to ignore when people call you or when it's actually, you know, you have that human connection. Um, let's yes. talk about the handoff a little bit from marketing to sales. And I know um, there's many, many uh, issues we run across over the years. I mean, first of all, you got some marketing teams, you know, they're just kind of, here's 1,500 leads and the sales team can't even follow up on 1,500 leads to begin with because they're they're not that big, for example. Um, and then you have, you know, the other issue where sales team screams, oh, we don't get any good leads. And marketing says, well, of course, these are good leads, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you've heard those debates around the water cooler um, or the Zoom call or whatever. How do we make that handoff? How does it, what's the best practice to get that to work? Well, I think that um, there are lots of companies out there that are trying to bridge that gap between marketing and sales. And I think in some businesses, that gap between marketing and sales is a, is a chasm. And um, in other businesses, it's a small gap. But I think regardless, it, it does exist. And those arguments of um you know, the marketing team saying, oh, sales are too picky. They cherry pick opportunities and leave them behind. And, um, you know, sales team saying, oh, marketing, just throw anything over the fence. I think those conversations are there and those opinions are there. Although there are loads of businesses out there that are trying to kind of, uh, you know, to bridge that gap and have that marketing and sales alignment. And I do think that marketing and sales alignment is really important. I think we have to bridge that gap, try and make that chasm a smaller gap as possible. But I do think it's the responsibility of the marketing team to own that gap, um, to make sure they are delivering um, good quality opportunities into the sales team and they're delivering to them to the sales team in real time. I think that, you know, there's no point in, uh, like you say, um, gathering 1500 leads and then chucking them at the sales team and then, you know, hoping that they're going to be able to call them and get through them. But actually, those opportunities have been gathered over the last month. You should be putting a process in place whereby that handover is on a, a single instance basis, one by one by one, in as near real time as possible, you know, cut the fat in that process to make it really, really streamlined. And that's going to need the champions at a senior level from both the marketing and a sales perspective. Um, and it's going to need that constant communication and that constant collaboration. Um, but I, I do think it is possible. Um, and um, but I think that that sales and marketing alignment is really important. But marketing has to own that gap, however big it be, a chasm or, or a little one. And I also, one of the things that really struck out to me, what you said there, Lila, was about the whole single instant reporting. And I mean, there is so many teams where I see, you know, they are dumping um, the hundreds of leads at once or, or whatever, or they, here's your report. Here's what we did last month, right? And I'm like, monthly reporting, oh my God, why is that still a thing in the digital world where things are happening all the time? So um, something to keep in mind for, for everyone out there, um, get the leads shipped over as they come in and then have a, a way to follow up. Um, but how hard is it to follow up in five minutes? I mean, does that mean, are you just sitting there waiting for leads or how, uh, how, how do teams accomplish that? I think what you need to do is, um, is, is really schedule your marketing activity so that you're not having these huge peaks and troughs, that you're having this constant drip feed. And that might mean that you're, you're leveraging a multi-channel approach and then you're, you're staggering your activity. So don't just have everything all happen at the same time. I think that 
you're going to need systems. And so we have a system in place whereby we get an opportunity to come in um, that goes through to a, a, a data processing team, if you like. Um, and then that goes straight into the hands of um, our, um, our sales team to, to follow up with. And that time frame um, for the team in terms of how they are KPI'd and in terms of how they are um, targeted and bonused um, is all to make sure that they are processing opportunities within 10 minutes. So that is from the inquiry coming in or the MQL um, arriving with us to us actually getting them on the, the phone, on putting that first telephone call in, that has to be 10 minutes. But everyone is KPI'd against that. And I think that's really important is that you have to get the whole team on board. It has to be a mantra. There's no point in just having it as something that the, the board look at or something like that. Every person at every level needs to be signed up to this proposition. It needs to be like one of those things that you're just banging the drum about all the time so that everyone knows as soon as that opportunity comes in, they're dropping everything to make sure it's entering the business as quickly as possible. And, and you know, when we first changed our, um, when we first looked at changing our expectation from, you know, a four day follow up, or it was actually like a, oh, we'll get around to it kind of follow up. It wasn't intentionally four days to, uh, no, guys, we're going to go through a 10 minute follow up. Um, the team thought it was never going to happen. It was impossible. And, and you know, I always think, yeah, it, it's, uh, if it sounds impossible, then let's give it a go. Don't stand in the way of the people who are trying to do it because it always sounds impossible until it's actually done. And, and we managed to, to achieve it. And our conversion rate went up fundamentally. We improved our conversion rate by 212%. Um, and, and there's some really um, great stats actually that I present on that talks about actually if you spend the same amount on marketing, you generate the same MQLs, but you uplift your conversion rates, um, you actually fundamentally deliver, a, uh, a, 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 you can sell at the same value, you can sell at the same rate, but you uplift that conversion rate to SQL um, and instantly you're delivering significantly more into, um, into the business in terms of um, bottom line. Um, so fundamentally it can make a difference above and beyond any marketing tactic, any marketing gizmo that you kind of put in place, any, I don't know, conversion rate optimization widget that you want to put on your website, um, you know, this piece can actually really, really make a difference to the bottom line. So it's, it's well worth focusing on. It sounds like a team effort. And of course, if you make it a goal, then people, I mean, people behave in a way uh, whatever their goal is, right? So if my goal is not to follow up in 10 minutes, why, why would I do that? Um, yep. So it makes sense. Uh, what's the importance of also building an audience? I mean, if nobody comes to the website, nobody checks out the brand, nobody even knows about the brand. Uh, I mean, it is important, right, to also build uh, an audience to even have that trickle down effect, I guess, of convergence and interest. Absolutely. If you've got nobody listening to you, like you say, they're not going to um, to convert. So that audience generation is is really important. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, there's lots of different ways of tackling marketing. Um, but we look at uh, a PCB strategy, so pillars, corner blocks, and, and bricks. Um, and we have three main um, pillars that we work to. And two of those are actually brand build. Um, so we work on um, awareness. Um, it's one of our our pillars. Um, Advocacy, um, peer-to-peer -peer reference, uh, peer -peer reasoning has 
has never been more important. And I think, you know, this whole current climate that we're in right now, um, everyone is is really, um, you know, I, I feel like everyone is listening to each other. It's almost like we've got more time to actually stop and, and talk for some reason, even though we feel busier than ever. But this climate has definitely created more of a, a humanization in, in business. So peer-to-peer -peer, peer -peer referencing has never been more important. So that's our second pillar is advocacy. Um, and our third pillar is ABM. So we really work on um, a webinar program, content, indication, educating the market, um, and then just um, obviously educating the market with regard to our product. But you really want to kind of work people through that funnel and take them on that journey from awareness through to the desire and then to the interest and then to the action. So building that audience is really important. And actually, I quite often get asked about, um, you know, how do you weigh up, um, you know, and, and how do you uh, distinguish between brand building and, and, and lead gen and where do you put your budgets? And actually, they're all integrated and you can measure um, the impacts of brand building and advocacy activity just as much as you can lead gen. I think it's kind of a bit of a cop out when people say, Oh, I can't measure it, it's brand. Well, that's not true. There's lots of ways you can measure it. So I think that um, it's it's really important to build that audience and it's really important to build um, a natural interest without just banging the drum about buy my product now. And thank you so much for saying that, that they're integrated. It drives me crazy when people talk about how, oh, lead, we only want lead gen. Oh, what's your brand? Oh, we don't. We don't care about the brand. Well, how are you going to drive any leads if you don't have a brand, if nobody knows you, if we don't even know what you stand for? You got to stand for something. If you don't know what you're talking about, um, good luck getting people to buy from anybody, right? So it's thank you so much for uh, for saying that because it, that is just a, a trigger word for sure. Sometimes we hear people talk about MQLs versus SQLs, right? And even when you look at what people search for online, that is by, by a large margin, uh, it's, it's against. But I mean, it's not against though, right? It's like they go together. Yeah, I think they go together. I think ultimately everybody's dry, you know, you're all trying to drive, um, uh, you know, a revenue. That's what it's all about, really, at the end of the day, is about revenue and business growth. Um, and everything there before is a milestone along that along that process. Um, and um, so I think that um, a, a good, um, you know, qualified lead for the business should be should match to the SQL and it should match to the MQL. And ultimately, if the MQL and the SQL and the QL doesn't match, then there's something wrong with the pipeline. So it should all roll up together. The marketing guy should know what is a good product market, or you know what is what is the right kind of business um, to that can that can really benefit from your product. Because ultimately, um, you know, you're wanting to secure lifetime value as well. You're wanting your customers to get success out of whatever it is that you're selling. And so, um, you know, I, I think that. You know, gone are, I, I believe that gone are the days of, you know, the the marketing guys not really having any clue what the sales guys need, not the sales guys really selling to anything that isn't right for the business. I think that actually the better you can align that whole pipeline, um, the better use of investment um, and the better return we're going to get for the business holistically. Uh, um, so I do think they're one and the same. I do think there are some businesses that need to improve that alignment and make sure that 
they are looking at the same thing all the way through. Um, but I, I definitely think that there are many more businesses that have really um, awakened to that now um, compared with maybe five years ago. And that is one thing we hear over and over and over on here on the show uh, by all of our great guests, you know, the alignment, the collaboration. I mean, it's this whole uh, I don't need to talk to you. You don't need to talk to me. I mean, it needs to stop. Right. We need to align uh, to, to row towards the same goal and, and, and work together. Um, absolutely. Um, it's been a very comfortable discussion about uncomfortable truths. Are there any others that we haven't uh, shared yet that we really need to uh, share with people before we sign off here? I think there's just uh, probably one uh, one more, which which does align with lead forensics. I, you know, I'm not here to uh, sell lead forensics or anything like that, but probably just, um, you know, uh, plant a little seed of consideration in that um, if you've got website traffic and you've got people visiting your website, you've spent money from a marketing perspective, um, getting people to your website. And a lot of the time, um, calls to action on on marketing collateral or on um, uh, your uh, I don't know uh, on your uh, sales communications marketing communications will be to either drive people to your website or to a landing page of some sort and then a lot of us rely on actually then people converting and filling out a form form fills are still um, you know the biggest driver of opportunities into um, into a, a business, whatever sector you're in, whether it's you know e-commerce is still a, you know a, a basket completion, and then especially in B two B, it's all about those form fills. So, but that's relying upon your website visitors taking um, action, and actually there's a, a whole host of um, opportunities that do visit your website that are passive um, or are not ready to buy um, they or they or they might be in the consideration phases and so there's some stats um, that say that um, only two percent of your website visitors will ever um, inquire actually fill out that form um, and so I think it's really important that um, uh, marketeers consider well how do they engage with those other 90 percent of visitors so can they use things such as live chat to proactively engage with the audience when they're on the site? Can they use um, systems such as lead forensics to get insight into who those visitors are? Um, is there a way that they can encourage um, people to fill out a form that much more and push up their, their conversion rates? Ultimately, if we're spending money in driving people to our online infrastructure, we need to be looking to maximize um, those conversions as best we possibly can and looking at every way that we can um, engage with that audience. Because, you know, if someone's visiting your website, in the B2B space, mostly websites are fairly business focused. People aren't going to visit the website for fun. <laughs> um, and, um, and so that's a, often a, a clear buying signal, whether it's at the consideration phase or whatever. And so the better we can engage, with our um, our website visitors, um, the more likely we are to be able to fuel that engine of, of MQL as well. So that's probably another piece that I think a lot of marketers miss is, yes, they're driving this activity to their website or to their landing pages, but then what happens? Um, you know, what's the user navigation like? How do people engage? You know, and I, and I think that's a really important point that, that a lot of marketers miss. 
Yeah, absolutely. How do you follow up with people, um, especially the ones you don't even know who they are yet? Um, leadforensics.com forward slash authentic storytelling. Um, if you want to uh, check that out, um, Lila Waite, thanks for joining us today and thanks for sharing your insights. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And thanks, everyone, for listening on the podcast channels. Just a friendly reminder, we do go live for many of the podcasts now. So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Periscope.tv forward slash C-Trap is another one. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.